Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. On today's Locked On Jayhawks, Kansas bounces back with a top 10 victory over the Oklahoma Sooners in a Big 12 home game in Allen Fieldhouse. We're breaking down the game, recapping what went right for KU, some lessons to be learned from the game, and what's next for the Jayhawks. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere that you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're recapping Kansas-Oklahoma top 10 matchup in the AP poll happening inside of Allen Fieldhouse. KU gets the 12-point victory, 78-66. to Break that down. Go to the game. What's next for KU? First, this episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's a Hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So KU victorious 78 to 66 as they earn a uh, another, I guess, top 10 victory. I mean, it always depends. Do you look at the top 10 victory of where they are now, where you are when they played them? I always think it's kind of a mix of both because, you know, maybe you played a team who's top 10 uh, in the middle of the season and then they had an injury and, and something happened. Maybe with the preseason, it's a little bit different. But you look at the Kentucky, you know, they're ranked sixth this week in the AP poll. Uh, Oklahoma this week is ranked ninth, right? Like uh, Connecticut, that's a top 10 team. So uh, the, the Tennessee win, like that's a really good win. You have a really good collection of four wins that, that go up with about what anybody else uh, has in the country right now. Uh, but it was it was kind of a weird, super tight first half where uh, tight in terms of the score, 38-37. It was a higher scoring first half and one that it felt like you just couldn't get the requisite stops. They hit some tough shots. Javion McCollum was excellent in the first half for Oklahoma, kept him in the game. And it was kind of weird because through that first half, like there was never a moment for me where I was like, wow, it feels like KU is really struggling here or that you know KU is having some issues. Maybe they, they had a worse defensive half in the first half than the second half, for instance. Certainly, you know, that was kind of the case. Uh, Oklahoma just hit some tough shots in the first half. It felt like to me at halftime, even when it was a one-point game, I was like, I feel like KU is the better team. And maybe that's a little bit concerning that it's like you feel like you're playing as the better team and you're only up a point. But maybe that's also encouraging, which is what we saw here, and that the process is right. You're just not seeing the full results. And we saw that in the second half. They dominated that second half. Uh, in the end, you led for 34 minutes and 29 seconds. You beat uh, – it depends, again, where do you view Oklahoma? Do you view the AP poll where they're top 10? Obviously, they lost twice this week, so I'd imagine next week in the AP poll – somewhere in that like 15 to 20 range. So, you know, are they a top 15, top 20 team? Uh, some of the metric sites had them closer to being top 20, well, whatever you want to say. Either way, top 25 team, basically. You beat them by 12 after going one of eight from the floor to finish. You easily could have won that by even more points than that. And I think there's some good long-term lessons from this game. It's, it's really one thing, right? Okay, Kansas wins by 12 against a, again, top 10, top 25 opponent, however you want to view this. Why? Well, Kansas shot just 20% from three and Oklahoma didn't shoot it great. Yes, but they still made double the amount of threes you made on 10% higher uh, efficiency than you. So, you know, it's clearly not that 
And this isn't to say that three-point shooting isn't important or that's not the key for Kansas. Of course, that's going to be very important in spacing the floor and everything. That's all what I'm trying to take away. Uh, rebounding, that was basically even in this game, uh, even slightly favoring Oklahoma and the Sooners. Of course, Kansas did well winning fast break points, 15 to 6. That's something we talked about coming in that both teams were averaging about 12 fast break points per game coming in. So winning that by nine, good. You shot 17 of 18 on free throws. That didn't hurt. And they continued to flex their muscle as a strong interior team. Uh, you outscored Oklahoma 46 to 26 points in the paint. You went 11 of 16 on layups and dunks. They were closer to 50% on those, whereas you were closer to 75% on those. And you had a 51 to 45% edge on two-point shots. So you continued to you know, do something you've done well all season long, shot well free throws. Yeah, those are all takeaways you could have and you know, did a few things here or there. But this results and this game and what I think you take away from this game for the long term about can you do this moving forward to have success, and if you do this moving forward, you will have success, is keeping the turnover numbers down. That was our number one matchup. Uh, if you listen to the Friday preview show, thank you to the Everydayers if you tuned into that and, and some of our past podcasts. You had two turnovers. Oklahoma had 11, which isn't an overly high number, but because KU's was so low, Kansas led 11 to 2 in points off turnovers. And like we said, Oklahoma coming into the game was 13th in their first two Big 12 games, small sample size, but still in turnovers forced. But Kansas was 14th in turnovers had on the offensive side of the ball if you're looking at turnover rate. So that was clearly going to be an interesting matchup coming into this one. And KU just having two of them, that is about as good of a lack of turnover game, I guess you could say, from an offense that I have ever seen. I mean, I, I can't remember seeing a total lower than that, which is even more amazing considering where things were the last two games, the start of Big 12 play, the first two games, even just earlier this week against UCF. The, the amount of turnovers KU was having – you know, how many of them steals, how many of them unforced errors, the combination of the two. And to go from that to this, from being like a horrible turnover team to being a elite of the elite of the elite turnover team in the same week is, is pretty immeasurable. The lesson here to me isn't that having two turnovers is going to be the key to winning. Obviously, if you have two turnovers in a game moving forward, if you have two turnovers per game the rest of the way, you're going to be pretty good. You're probably going to win out if that's the case. But that's not very repeatable, is it? Right. Um, so that's not really the key. The point is more so when you have low turnover numbers, when you reduce your turnover numbers, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be a better team. And that sounds like such a duh statement and an obvious statement. And it kind of is to a certain standpoint, but to me, that is more important than anything else because the three point shooting is going to come and go game to game. Overall, you look at KU's three point percentage on the year. It's better than you would expect. And the efficiency has been good enough. Now they don't shoot it at high volume. And because of that, and, and because there aren't a ton of shooters on the court, there are spacing issues for the KU offense that the defenses throw at them. That's understood. But I don't think it's ever going to be a point where like KU becomes a 40% three-point shooting team the rest of the season. So that's not something that I'm looking at. You know, I've, I've talked a lot about that I think KU can be a better turnover-forcing defense and that, you know, they can be a better offensive rebounding team, which we've seen here over the last couple of weeks. So that thing is certainly happening. But as you're looking for where can you improve, where can you turn that corner as the season's going on to make sure you are one of those teams at the end of the season that feels like you have the best shot at winning a national title versus just being – you know, among the group of, oh, we got a two seed or a three seed in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I don't feel great about this team. Like, what is the difference there? Well, when you're looking at KU's offensive efficiency, like on Ken Palm, they're outside the top 30 and they're shooting well from two. They're, again, like I said, shooting efficiently from three, even on low volume, albeit not today. 
Um, your defense is good enough. It's It's been pretty good, and I think it has potential to be even better, especially if the turnover numbers come around. How do you maximize your offense? Because you're never going to raise the amount of threes by a lot. You're never going to see the three-point percentage become you know 40% over the last three months of the season. It's maximizing your number of possessions. And part of that, yes, is grabbing offensive rebounds. The other part of that is not turning the ball over, maximizing possessions. And when you do, you're pretty hard to beat. So the key doesn't come from this, hey, turn it over only two times in a game and you'll be fine. It becomes just limit the turnover numbers. You know, don't be atrocious at it. Be above average. And when you look at Kansas having four veteran starters, when you look at Kansas having a veteran point guard in Dewan Harris, there's no excuse for them not to be. And we saw that in this game, that that is inside of them. That was a good reminder that you can get it. Uh, and, and we mentioned in the, the preview that KU's worst turnover games in order were these four by turnover rate. UCF, loss. Marquette, loss TCU near loss and Missouri kind of a uh, you won by less than expected uh, maybe closer than you thought it would have been not one of your better wins in terms of how you played but how about the best what are the best games for KU by lowest turnover percentage in a game number one now Oklahoma okay there's a top 10 AP win at the time um, you have UMKC which is yeah that one was a, a little more of a kind of ugly showing at times got closer than you wanted but you still won by 19 third on that list Wichita State which you know, Wichita State's not a great team this year, but you pummeled them, right? That was a really impressive showing. And the fourth on that list is UConn, which is probably your crown jewel victory so far. So when you're not turning the ball over, very good. When you are, that's when you're losing games. That is the key for KU the rest of the season. And that was the key today, a game that KU had their worst effective field goal percentage of the entire season. Worst effective field goal percentage of the entire season. And that's that's kind of a metric that puts together like three-point and two-point shooting and, and weights each in a different way. Worst of the season. They also had, this was their 11th best game in terms of points allowed per possession on defensive efficiency. So it was kind of a below average game for the defense. Again, most of that was Oklahoma probably in the first half. You combine those two things, you would have thought, okay, you screwed. But the turnovers were so low. Uh, now, besides that, we got to see Johnny Furphy get the start. He scored seven. He hit that big three that really expanded the lead in the second half. It was just three of eight. Nice to see the aggressiveness, though. Again, he grabbed three rebounds, two on the offensive end, got new more possessions. Also ended up with two steals. Uh, the minutes were pretty similar. It, it didn't matter that much whether he was starting or not. 19 for him, 18 for Elmarco Jackson, who, again, just felt like Elmarco was just kind of there, just kind of floating around. Certainly the other guys saw their rotation opportunity dwindle down, just four combined minutes for Jamari McDowell and Nick Timberlake, who both had quick hooks. But bottom line, this is a huge bounce-back victory in a lot of different ways for KU. And maybe there is a spark that Johnny Furphy is going to provide by being in the lineup. Maybe it does you know, open up your spacing a little bit more. Maybe it does create an extra offensive rebounder out there, which that goes back to the idea of how can you maximize possessions? That's one of the ways, and, and he's going to be better at that than Marco Jackson is. And even though I don't think Furphy had the best defensive game, and, and I think Marco's a better defender than he is, he is at least lengthy, which is going to give you more versatility with who he can defend and some of the rebounding and the shooting. That, that Maybe there is a correlation there, and we'll see if they go on a run after making this starting swap, though it didn't have a huge difference in terms of the minutes played. This was important, though, in a lot of ways. Important to the start of winning Big 12 play. We'll mention it again. You probably got to go 7-1 and one in these first eight with that final 10. At the very least, you got to go 6-2. and two. Uh, just looking a lot better after last game. You wanted to wash that taste out of your mouth and beating a good opponent is always a good thing and adds to your resume and doing it so by a lot. This is the first time you've beaten a good opponent by a lot, right? Like you look at KU's other big wins so far in the season and they're close wins. And that's okay. Cause when you're playing good opponents, you don't expect to always blow them out, but it'd be nice to show that you can do it 
every so often. You go back to the national title year, right? They had that one game where they blew out Baylor. Now they got blown out by Kentucky, but you showed that when you're on the top of your game, you can do it. And I guess Tennessee wasn't far off. You beat them by nine, but still, I thought this was a really impressive all-around effort and uh, nice to move on from the UCF loss for KU to make you feel like that was more of an aberration than what they kind of are. Let's get to our go to the game and what's next for KU men's basketball on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. First, we are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab if you want to see what somebody else has. Maybe you're struggling to come up with ideas. Make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlay same idea there and more so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup you can bet on the nfl playoffs through the weekend you can get in on ku action you can put together same game parlays with the jayhawks you can get futures ku to make a final four win the national title chiefs to make the super bowl whatever it is fanduel official partner of the nfl start clean with clorox because clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, honey, you know your dad's world-famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table. But it was, like, super hot. And then I, um, dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? (laughs) Honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. On to our goats of the game. We're going to start with our good goats and then get to our bad goats. Uh, If you're new to this segment, good goats is kind of the new adage of the term. The youngsters, what they're all saying, greatest of all time. And then the older adage is is what I kind of was was growing up on when when I was younger. And and certainly for a generation older than me, bad, like goat used to be a bad thing. It was a scapegoat. It was not something you you wanted to be had. So the good goat here, we're going to start with KJ Adams. He had 15 points. I was actually surprised when I looked at the box score after the game and saw he went five of 14. I was like, well, that didn't feel like he, you know, had that kind of low of a a field goal shooting percentage game. I guess he did miss like three or four of those mid-range shots. I did appreciate the aggressiveness because when you look at how teams are playing them and the lack of spacing, he has to be aggressive in shooting those. And, And we've seen games where he's hit, you know, gone two of three on those shots. So it's not like he can't hit them at all. He also was five of five on free throws in the game. So that added to the efficiency a bit, which by the way, I wanted to circle back to this. So if you remember, and this same thing happened last year, KJ was struggling on free throw shooting. In fact, it was pointed out to me by Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. He started two of 13 on free throws last year. And then he picked it up the rest of the season. I think he shot like 60% from there rest of the season. This year, he also started two of 13. At the end of the Maui Invitational in the Tennessee game, he was two for 13. Now, looking back, the Maui Invitational, that was the week after his mom died. You know, if he had some bad games there to lower those numbers, it would certainly make sense because a lot of free throws feels like it is kind of a mental game. But since the Maui Invitational, KJ Adams has shot 31 of 44. That's a cool 70.4% on free throws. That will get it done. He also had 10 rebounds in this game. The amount of rebounding he is doing here of late is pretty remarkable. Goes back to the idea, maximize possessions, limit turnovers, grab more rebounds to make up for the fact that you don't shoot a ton of threes or space the court super well. Number of games with seven or more rebounds from the start of the season to the Yale game for KJ Adams. He had one of them with a season high of seven. Over the last four games, 
He's had four games with seven or more rebounds, including three with double-digit rebounds, and he's averaging nine and a half rebounds per game over that span. He also had three assists to zero turnovers, one block, and one steal. And specifically for KJ, I thought his first half, I thought his first half was arguably the best half we've seen from KU basketball players since, gosh, I don't know. I'm almost tempted to go back to the Champions Classic and be like that stretch of Dewan Harris in the second half or Hunter Dickinson, I don't know, pick a half because he ended up with 20 and 20 in that game. There's some other ones that would come to mind, but certainly it's up there. And I think in, in Big 12 play, certainly the best half played by any KU basketball player so far belongs to, yes, and I know Hunter Dickinson had 30 against CCU, KJ Adams in that first half. That first half, KJ Adams, when it was a tighter game, KJ had 15 points, eight rebounds, two assists, one block, one steal in all 20 minutes of play in the first half. He was uh, great. And honestly, I, I don't think he'll end up winning it, but I believe he should be in the running again for Big 12 Most Improved Player. We'll see if the stats, how much different they look from this year to last year. I do think they'll look a little better. I mean, if he keeps rebounding like this, clearly that's going to be better. It's just the idea, too, that not only has he gotten better in to me in a lot of different ways, he's refined the maybe the free throw shooting a little bit more, he's added a little bit more to his game, even more passing, more dribbling to his game. It's the idea that he had to move positions. He now has to you know, kind of work with Hunter Dickinson in a way. He went from being a five to being a four. I think he should be in that conversation. Anyway, speaking of Hunter, he gets a good goat here. 24 points on 11 of 19 shooting. He was 11 of 16 on twos. 0 of 3 from threes, so maybe saving those for a later date. Uh, 14 rebounds, another good rebounding game, two assists. And how about the five blocks? The the defense from Hunter Dickinson, that tied a career high for him. That was a new KU career high or season high, whatever way you want to put it. Uh, Hughley and Godwin, the two main centers for Oklahoma, combined for just nine points on three of nine shooting. And then they brought in that other stretch five center who hadn't played in a month. And typical Kansas playing a white guy who can shoot it, who hits two threes when he comes in with uh, one made on the air. But anyway, with, with those two guys, three of nine from the floor, and then he gets those big blocks. He was excellent on the defensive end of the floor. And also that baseline hook shot, it's just so deadly, man. And it was nice to see him hit the right-handed hook shot, kind of running into the middle of the lane too, showing the versatility of his offense a little bit. Kevin McCuller gets a good go. 21 points on 5 of 12 shooting. He was only 1 of 5 from 3. Got a couple good looks, so weren't falling totally today. 10 of 11 from the free throw line, though. He's been excellent free throw shooting really over the last, I don't know, month or so. Four rebounds, four assists, and one steal. Hope the knee is okay long-term. He obviously took that bump. I don't know what specifically – I mean, obviously he kept playing through it, so I don't think the idea here is that, oh, he's going to have to miss time or anything. But then again, maybe uh, you go another day and it swells up or something. Who knows? But certainly you hope that has no impact on him. Uh, Dewan Harris had seven points on three of ten shooting. So not great there when you're looking at, okay, seven points, like whatever, three of ten, not great efficiency. He obviously had the missed layup where – he has not been shooting super well on two-point shots this year. But it's about him playing aggressive. Like, it's not – when you hear the stat about, yeah, they're this record, whatever it is, 29-1, and one, I don't know, it's somewhere around there. When he scores 10 or more points, it's not just about the 10 points specifically. It's about him playing aggressively. So, yeah, I mean, there's a level to that. You don't want to just go 0 for 12 for the sake of jacking up 12 shots. But, like, the aggressiveness still matters because the defense has to defend KU a lot differently when he is putting up shots. So that was a good thing. But more than that, eight assists to zero turnovers for Dewan Harris. In our preview show, we picked him as our hawk to soar because when people doubt Dewan Harris, and I think there had been deserved reasons over the last couple of weeks, I don't think he's played you know up until this game. 
as as well over maybe the past month or maybe this season or maybe go back to the Kentucky game after that point on as he had from last year, right? And and you're kind of setting your own bar. Um, and, and to that notion, I still think Dewan has been you know KU's fourth best player during that that standpoint, though it hasn't been a ton of competition, but that. You know, you weren't seeing Big 12 defensive player of the year all the time, and you weren't seeing as as much consistency, and you were seeing more turnovers. And, and part of that is, I don't know, there's a lot that kind of goes into what would cause that necessarily. That might not all be his fault necessarily. But um, I, I thought when when people doubt him is, is when he starts to pick it back up. And and that's why I picked him as a hawk to soar in this one. I also thought he had a, a pretty solid matchup on, on that end of the floor. And we saw it today, eight assists to zero turnovers. And we mentioned this in the UCF game. You know, it's it's one thing for him to have a handful of turnovers in the game. If the team has 20 turnovers and he has five, well, he's clearly not the only guy who has a turnover issue. There's still 15 other turnovers. It's not just him. But when you are the point guard, when you are the guy that is supposed to set the example, when you are supposed to be the composing figure on the court, when you are supposed to be the veteran leader that gets everything orchestrated and isn't just a, a calming presence for your, yourself, but for the rest of the team, it is important. It's almost like, you know, the wins are, and they aren't a quarterback stat, right? Like wins are about the team in the NFL or in college football. Uh, you could be the best quarterback in the world. If your team sucks, you're not going to win games, but like there is a certain level of good quarterbacks win games. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it is with like turnover numbers for an offense. It's not all on you. There can be other, but it typically impacts it in a very big way. And so that was important to see when you look at KU having two, he had zero. He also had three steals. There's the great defense we're talking about. This was vintage Dewan, and boom, you win by 12 points. As far as the bad goats here, I only got a couple quick ones. Three-point shooting, you were 3-15. You got a lot of open looks, just didn't bottle them in. I actually like the process on the shots. Like I said, you got a pretty good amount of open looks, just didn't go in. Maybe save them for a game that you need them a little bit more, and that can be okay. As far as the bench, um, 29 minutes played. Four points on two of three, three rebounds, zero assists, three fouls, one block. Collectively, I, I know this doesn't totally work, but the box score plus minus, just to show you that a lot of the numbers were small or negative, of the four bench players for KU today, so you basically say, okay, this player was plus one, this player was minus two when he was out on the court. Collectively, it was minus one for the bench players. Compared to the starters, who individually were plus two, Eight plus 12 plus 12 plus 13 and Kevin McCuller led the way with plus 16. So still not getting uh, a ton of bench production. I think the hope is that El Marco can eventually give you more uh, bench production if he's going to continue to come off the bench and that being off the bench will free his mind a little bit more. We didn't totally see it in this game, but at least you felt like uh, that fifth starter maybe gave you a little bit more today with Johnny Furphy. All right, we're going to finish up with what's next for KU men's basketball on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. First, we are brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite sporting event should not be stressful because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to be having. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less – Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's next for KU men's basketball? So it's a uh, another two-game week for KU as you know, it consistently will be kind of here moving forward. But it's a two-road game trip for KU. And both are ven- venues in which Kansas has not had a lot of success on the road, I guess comparatively speaking, um, to what they've done in other venues, I guess would be the way of putting it. But also both these teams are predicted, you know, I guess not predicted, but at this point, you look at like Ken Palm, you know, two of the bottom three teams in the league. Those games are on Tuesday. They're at Oklahoma state. And on Saturday, they're at West Virginia. Now, again, Oklahoma state right now is ranked 101st on Ken Palm. They've not been very good. They're sitting at eight and seven on the air. Uh, They're sitting at 0 and two in conference play and they're at Iowa state today. So, you know, that that's looking like probably going to get to 0 and three. Haven't been a very good offense. When you look at West Virginia, they're sitting at a five and 10 on the season. They're 0 and two in big 12 play. They lost by uh, basically 40 points to Houston, 14 to Kansas state, even at home. They're playing Texas to say today. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, they're they're outside of the top 300 in effective field goal percentage in the offense. So neither of those teams have been great. But, you know, UCF wasn't great coming into that one, and you lost by five. Now, UCF has still been better. They're 76th on Ken Palm than Oklahoma State and West Virginia. So you never know. And Kansas' two uh, road games have been very shaky at UCF and at Indiana. You never know how that's going to go. Uh, under Bill Self, Kansas is just 13 and 14 combined in Stillwater and in Morgantown. So it actually is a losing record, though they have won their last four. So maybe they're starting to get that figured out a little bit, but definitely a dangerous week because you could easily go one and one this week with two tough road games. Um, But with the margin for error you have over the last 10 games, you really got to clean up against two of these teams who are at the lower end of the Big 12. That'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll uh, be back later next week, get you an Oklahoma State preview. Also get to the latest on KU football. So thank you to every dayers out there and tuning in to each and every episode, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the action. Have a great weekend and uh, go Chiefs, go Jayhawks, and uh, see you guys next time.